something and I'm up here and I don't remember. I'll remember it halfway through my message. So Pam's going to come up and read the scriptures. Welcome the birthday girl up to the, she's going to read the scriptures here for us. <laughs> I'm reading Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 from the New King James. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken from the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Amen. Amen. So I've been preaching out of the Hebrews. I wanted to make sure that I got that scripture in the books, and Mike and uh, Gary are going to pass out the handout. I'm trying to give you something you can kind of follow, and I may not go in order. I don't promise I can go in order, but a lot of times I'll say, hey, um, you know, when the service is over, go study these scriptures, and it makes it easier if you have a handout or something to follow. So when I can, I'm going to try to get you a handout. And Father, I ask you to bless me as I preach this morning in Jesus' name. Let the Holy Spirit, I pray, be active in our hearts to teach, to admonish, to correct, to instruct us, Father. Open the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. If you still need a handout, just put your hand in the air. And... We've been talking about salvation. And the author of Hebrews calls it a great salvation, doesn't he? He calls it a great salvation. We talked about uh, what the Greek word for salvation was. Salvation includes eternal life. That's eternal salvation. The writer of Hebrews talks about eternal salvation, but salvation is more than just dying and going to heaven. How many want to die and go to heaven? Anybody? I mean, I do. I want to die and go to heaven. But salvation is not just dying and going to heaven. Salvation starts in this world. Charlie, the day that you received eternal life, you began to live eternally right then, okay, with God. We're all eternal beings. We're all going to live to uh, forever, one way or the other, but when we're born again, we're, I was teaching about how we're restored back to the original image. What was God's purpose in the Garden of Eden? God, okay, that's good. Thanks, Bo. God, God wanted fellowship. He created man in his own image. One thing, he wanted to have fellowship. What else? Why did God create man in his own image? Okay, he gave actually not just to watch over creation. What's the word the Bible uses? Dominion. Now, you got, you got to understand this. If you want to understand the Bible, if you're someone that you don't know the Bible, or you don't know much about God, or you don't know much about the Lord, it's the very basics, in the very beginning, when God created man, he created him for a specific purpose, didn't he? Did he? He had a design. He had a purpose. He had a function. Everybody in this room, because we are created in the image of God, we all have a design, a purpose, and a function. 
But Adam, what did Adam do in the garden? He kind of broke his fellowship with God. What happened with Adam? He disobeyed or he sinned against God, and that image was marred. The Bible calls that spiritual death, or he died. The day that he sinned, he died. Man became trapped in his flesh. And if you don't know the Lord, you're not a Christian, you're not born again, you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, you're basically trapped in your flesh. You are limited to what you see, what you hear, what you can touch. You're, you're limited to a world of your senses because man has broken fellowship with God. You've been cut off. Bible calls it spiritual death. Now, the good news about our salvation and at the heart of our salvation is this reconnecting back to God. I'm going to ask a lot of questions today. How did God reconnect us, you and me, back to God? How did he do it? Through Jesus. You say, what's this Jesus thing about? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but what? Would have what? Eternal life, everlasting life. The word says, whoever has the son has life. So when you accept Christ, when you accept Jesus, you receive eternal life. It's not going to happen when you go to heaven. It's happened already. He that has the son has life. He that has not the son shall not see life. If you're here today, and we're not, I'm not throwing stones at you or saying anything bad. We all have to receive Christ at one time or another. But if you're here today and you've never received the Lord, your fellowship with God is broken. He looks at you as a person that is uh, filled with spiritual death and you are separated from God. But there is no reason for you to stay separated from God today. Today, you can receive the gift of eternal life and when you receive the gift of eternal life, you're restored back to relationship with God today, just like that. It is a gift. I've talked about, we got into this thing because I was talking about the gift of righteousness. Because of what Jesus did, God wants to give you a gift, and His gift is righteousness. He wants to look at you just like you never sinned. We might look pretty good. If you don't know the Lord, we all might look pretty good, but we are just like you at one time in our lives, we were separated from God without hope and without God. And we all heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and we received God's gracious offer. And it is good news. Who said that? It is great news. That's what the Bible even calls it, a great salvation. God so loved the world. He so loves you. He wants to have restored fellowship. But then I talked about, and I'm reviewing here a little bit, part of this thing, when God reconciled us to himself, the writer of Corinthians says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was pulling us back into himself through Christ, not holding our sins against us. So sin, that's why I'm saying we're not throwing stones at you because sin is not the issue in your life today. You're the issue with God is what is your relationship to God today? How are you? Are you going to? And I, I hear this guy on the, the YouTube interview people, and he asks him why they should get to heaven. And immediately people will say, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good guy. Then he takes them through a list of things, and you find out that they've lied, that they've stolen, 
that they've lusted. <laughs> in other words, they've done all these sins, and he says, do you still think you're a pretty good guy? And they said, well, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. So the whole issue with God, you can say I'm a pretty good guy, but the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the issue with God is your relationship with Him, and the only way it can be restored is through Jesus. I want you to get that. He or she that has the Son has life. I'll probably give a call for Jesus today, for someone to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. What we're doing when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying, Father, I know I've sinned. I've broken your law. I've done bad things. I know you're a just God. You're just not going to let me off the hook. If someone killed someone in your family, would you think it would be right of God if that person came up before the judge and the judge said, oh, it don't matter. Just go ahead and, you know, go free. They killed your brother or sister or something. Just go ahead and go free. It doesn't matter. You think that's okay? Do you think that's justice? If somebody, uh, you know, really hurts somebody, or you hear all these evil things that people do, God is just. He is not going to let us just sin, break His laws, do evil, and just get away with it. We are going to have to stand before God and answer for ourselves, or we need somebody else there standing. Thank you, Chuck. To do it for us. Now, who's that person that did it for us? So if we don't receive Christ, this is a fair warning, we will stand before God and we'll answer for everything we've done in our life. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to stand before God, and neither does Charlie. I know Charlie's testimony. I don't want to stand before God and answer for all the things I've done in my life. Someone said, I don't want to answer for God what I've done this week. <laughs> you know? The Bible says husbands love your wives, Right? Well, I won't go there. I'll, I'll be good today. The good news is we don't have to. God loves each and every person in this room so much he made provision that if you accept Christ, your sins are already forgiven. God isn't going to forgive your sins. Your sins are already forgiven. This is called grace. Salvation comes as grace, God's grace, what he did in Christ for you. Larry, you say God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. He's already done for you what you can't do for yourself. It's only up to you to receive what God has done. Isn't that beautiful? And we do that by faith. At the top of your page there that I handed out, it says, the just live by faith. And I put four scriptures you can look at later. So there's no reason for anybody in this room to be separated from God. There's no reason for anybody in this room to go spend eternity away from God. What do we call the place where people spend eternity when they're separated from God? Hell. hell. And God did not create hell for you. He created it for the angels that sinned. It's created for them. But if we don't receive God's gracious offer in Christ, we're eternally separated from God. That's called being damned. That's just what the Bible says. Now, I've taught also, not only is our eternity secure, I want to make, that's important. Who, says, who thinks that's important? It's very important where you spend eternity. It's very important. But that's not the only thing God did. We talked about being restored back to the original image. God's purpose in your life 
is he has already, through Christ, restored you back to that original image. When your spirit was born again, the spirit of Jesus came to live inside of you. I don't even care how you're walking. You could be you know, living in the flesh or how you're a Christian and you're, you know, but you're not really doing much for the Lord. But when you were born again, you received all the fullness of God inside. Did you know that? All the fullness of God because you have Christ. When Christ, in fact, I didn't want to turn over to Colossians chapter 3. I've been saying this scripture and I don't want to stay there. I can't. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. I just want you to read this. I want you to look at it. I'll start with verse 8. I want to talk about unbelief today. I'm going to get at unbelief. But I want you to see this. You have been restored back to the original image in Christ. Now, there is an aspect of you, your spirit. You've been born again. Christ lives in you. That's been restored. Is that true? Okay, let me read it to you. Verse 8 says, But now... You yourselves are to put off all these things. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have what? Put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. Who's that new man we put on? Christ. Are you going to put him on or have you put him on? You have put him on and you do put him on. You have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to what? Read it. According to the image of him who has created him. Whose image is that? Jesus. Genesis chapter 1, man was made in the image of God. When you were born again, you were restored back to your original image. It's in more than one place. It's, it's, it's throughout Paul's letters. So when you receive Jesus, you're restored to fellowship, you're restored to eternal life, but you're also restored back to your original purpose. And as we learn about Jesus, the Bible talks about renewing our minds, as we walk in the Spirit, as we follow the Lord, we are transformed or changed more and more into that image. As a Christian, once you receive Jesus, God doesn't want you to stop right there, punch your heaven ticket. I'm going to heaven now. I'll just live the rest of my life drinking beer and watching football and just sneak on into heaven somehow, you know, just squeak into heaven. No, God has a purpose and a plan. He has a destiny and a purpose for your life. And so he is going to bring us back into that original design and purpose. Someone say amen. And that's what really salvation is, this great salvation. It's being restored back to our original purpose. And I preached on that. And as I was preaching last week, and as I talk with people and I minister and I counsel, I just felt like the Lord was showing me just like waves of unbelief. I'm not saying from you necessarily, but waves of unbelief. We can preach a great salvation. We can talk about what God did. We can talk about the treasures. I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about the authority of the believer. I want to talk about miracles, signs, and wonders. But if, if we are not mixing this message with faith, if we're not seeing what's in the Word and we're not going after it, you know, the Bible talks about unbelief stopping the work of God in our lives. Did you know that? We have to take this message. It's not just a message to tickle our ears. We have to take this message 
listen to it, and apply this stuff to our life and allow God to do what He wants to do in our life. That is called making Jesus Lord. Someone say amen. Amen. Is Jesus Lord of your life? When we get saved, what we're really doing is saying, Lord, Jesus, I am leaving the old life I used to live, and I'm making you Lord of my life. Not only have you saved me and restored me, but now you're, you're my Lord, and I am going to follow you. I am going to allow this process to occur in my life. Being a Christian is not something you do on Sundays. It's a way of life. It's a way of living. It's a way of looking at things. It's a, it's a following of the Spirit of God. Someone say amen. amen. Flip over to Psalms chapter 78. There's a battle in this world. Uh, Michael, you alluded to it. There's a battle in this world raging And there's a fortress and there's a citadel that Satan is attacking every single day in your life. And that's the citadel of your heart. Satan is constantly waging war on your heart. I think his big purpose in sin is so your heart becomes hardened. You don't hear from God. He wants to separate you from God, harden your heart so you can't hear the Lord speak into your life. You can't obey Him, and He'll nullify anything good that you'd ever do for God. He wants to make you ineffective and, you know, weak through sin, and He wants to harden your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, and I'm going off your notes now, it says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. We're in a battle as Christians every day. You go to school. Um, I don't know, Utica you know, is, is a more conservative school probably than most, most schools, but you go to college, you go to school, you are not hearing about God in your colleges. They're not teaching you that there's a creator and there's a God and you're going to answer before God one day. They're not teaching you that the Bible is the word of God. They're not teaching you to honor your mother and father. They certainly aren't teaching you to be pure sexually before you get married. If they have co-ed dorms, they're not teaching it. They actually propagate something different. You're in a battle as a Christian in particular every day for your heart. But it's even more insidious than that. There's a battle of unbelief. When you hear the word... We hear it over and over and over again, and we just kind of harden our heart to it. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I heard that. But we don't take the Word of God, the Word that's preached, and if we don't take the Word of God and mix it with faith, we become unproductive in our walk with God. God wants you to walk in abundance, spiritual abundance. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to take His Word, pour it into your heart, Let the fruit of salvation grow in your life. Paul made these great claims about, he says, God always causes me to triumph in Christ. Didn't he say that? He says, I go from victory to victory. There's a guy thrown in jail, but the jails can't hold him. There's a guy that's stoned to death, but he gets up and walks to the next town and preaches the gospel. Here's a guy that's facing opposition every single where he goes. People are resisting him and they're coming against him. And yet he says, God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. 
There's a battle for your heart, a battle to take you out. But God's purpose in your trials and God's purpose in those battles is just the opposite of Satan's purpose in there. The devil wants to wipe you out. He wants to send you trials. He wants to send things your way to wipe you out. God wants to take those trials in your life and build strength in you. We can't waste our trials. I've been thinking a lot about trials. We can't waste our trials. I had something this week, and how many remember my testimony about the, the well, my well? Anybody? I think a few of you told how, you know, the whole time I'm in this battle, that well could have cost me $10,000 when we dropped that thing down in the well pump. I was in a battle the whole time, you know, uh, over money that I didn't have to pay for a well to get fixed. And the whole time, I just feel this battle to give up, to complain, to moan and groan and lose $10,000 or $2,000, whatever it would have cost me, probably to drill a new well to get down in there. And I was in this battle. I just had another battle this week, very similar. We're in these battles where Satan is trying to change our perspective. He's trying to make us negative. I had a negative situation. And it was happening, and, and as I do sometimes, I know I'm the only one. I won't ask you to raise your hand because it'll just be me and Gideon that'll raise our hand. We're the only bad ones in the congregation, the worship leader and the pastor. But a lot of times, you know, when negative things happen in my life, the first thing that I do is I want to respond negatively, right? There's a situation coming, and I'm trying to handle it. I took time out. Now I'm on the phone dealing with this situation, and it's going, and I get off the phone, and I start to complain to Pam about it. I said, Pam, I can't believe this always happens, want, 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 going negative. I can just see Pam wanting to close her ears like, you know, I got other things to do than to listen to you. And I'm heading into the back room, take a shower, got to do some stuff. I'm running late now because I'm trying to deal with this little mini situation. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he says, Brad... So glad we can hear from the Holy Spirit, aren't you? If you're not hearing from God, you are missing out. I can tell you miracle after miracle what happened in my life when I stopped and I listened to God. I was listening to God this week at the Planet Fitness. There was a guy over there doing sit-ups, and God said, go ask him about it. And I asked him about relationships in his life, and that dude had just gone through a divorce. And I got to share with him a little because the Spirit said, talk to him and ask him about his relationships. I told him God had a great plan for him. It wasn't the end of the world that God loved him. I didn't say, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I heard the Holy Ghost say, talk to that guy, and I did it, and it bore fruit. Well, I'm hearing God tell me, you know, as I'm going into, he says, Brad, change your perspective. I want you to hear this. This is really what I want you to do today. My purpose is for us to change our perspective, especially about trials and things that come against us in life. He said, change your perspective. And I started to complain to the Lord. You know, God's heard it all. He's heard it all. And I just stopped. And I said, okay, Lord, I will change my perspective. I quit complaining. I said, somehow this is all going to work out. Maybe I'll just get patience from it all. Maybe I'll just learn patience. And I went back about my business. Do you know, things worked out. Within that hour, I was planning on messing with it the next day. Within the hour, that situation was resolved, completely resolved. And I didn't even think I'd be able to deal with it that day. And not only that, it became an opportunity and a negative situation. 
I was complaining, not acknowledging God in it, the negative situation, I was complaining, I repented, changed my perspective, and it wound up being an opportunity for me to share Jesus with somebody. And I did. God gave me a word for him too, very accurate word for that guy. As I was talking to him, he said, ask him this, and I did. Had something to do with his past, and the Lord gave me the right word for him, and I did. Talked to him about the Lord. The guy on the phone was blown away by it. He said, I can't believe you asked me that. I can't believe you asked me that. And before I asked him, I asked him another question. I said, do you know Jesus? Right? And the Lord turned that situation out for good. And I left. I went in after that. I went in town after that. I was so glad that I stopped and I changed my perspective. Folks, we are facing trials. How many had a couple trials this week? How many is living in trials? I felt like somebody here, when I was over here, is going through a trial in their job. Anybody going through a trial in their job? Felt like someone, I actually thought it was you, but maybe I got the right robe at the wrong pew, right? I thought it was you, but, but the Lord was telling me that somebody's going through a trial in their job, and He's going to take them through it, and He's going to give you victory, and He'll do it if you change your perspective about it. You're going through a trial too in your job. Anybody else? Going through a trial in your work, going through a trial. Got another one back. Anybody else? Got one over here, one over here, three over here, one over here. Hand them in. You got four people. I thought it was you, that God wants to do something in, in your job, something with you in your work. I, I, people that have been here a lot have heard my testimonies over and over, what God has done for me in life. And I mean, it's one, isn't it, Pammy? It's one thing after another, after another, after another. I am a witness to salvation because God has worked, not every time, but God has worked in my life many times to change my perspective and put me in a perspective of faith. I repented, said, God, you're going to do something in this. I'm going to believe you through it. He'll take a bad situation. Things look horrible. They'll never be right. They'll never be good. We change our perspective and God will give you a miracle. I don't know the science, Jeff, you could do a better job of preaching this than me, but I know with magnets and electromagnetic currency, what happens when you have two magnets and they're both negative? What happens? They repel, right? So here I am, I get a negative situation or you get a negative situation in your life and the way you respond to it is negative, right? It goes like this. What happens? Nothing happens, right? There's no fruit in it. Is that right? What happens if you get a negative situation, you got a negative terminal, you know, and a battery or something, you hook up a positive, what happens when you have a negative and a positive? Kaboom! When Satan sends you or life sends you, and you know, it's biblical, but even positive thinkers and secular people know this. They know it. It's a principle. They know it. They teach it all the time. How much more a Christian when we have the Holy Spirit and we have the Word of God, when you get a negative situation and you apply a positive to it, that's called the law of the good. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. The Bible says everything, all things, anything in your life is going to work together for good. If you're called by God, if you love God, there's nothing in your life that's not going to work together for good. Do I got to talk about Daniel? Do I got to talk about Joseph? Do I got to talk about David? Do I got to preach the whole Bible to you? If you believe God and you trust God, everything in your life will work together for good. Amen? And I've proved it in my own life. 
when I've obeyed the Lord. I'm not perfect. I haven't always done it. But when I do, I've seen miracle after miracle. I'll never forget when that missionary, we had a conference, and the whole conference, I'm going to get to this, I promise. Oh, i got plenty of time. And you got your notes. I told Pam, Jeff's been mentoring me how to be a better speaker. <laughs> no, it's good. I said, if I just get through one point today, I'll just finish the rest of them later, okay? I just can't tell you naked facts. I want you to see this stuff works. I had a missionary conference at the church I was a mission pastor at, and the whole thing turned on my two chief speakers, and one couldn't get a visa from India, and my other chief speaker had an eye emergency. His eye, some part of his eye was dangling, and they couldn't fix it, and he wasn't going to be able to come. And I'm like, God, my mission, I said it to everybody in Licking Everybody knew about it. Everybody was coming to this conference, and neither one of my big speakers or people was going to be there. I guess Jeff and I will have to you know, t- talk about India and Honduras together or something, right? He went to church there too. I have to do. So I didn't know what to do, and the Lord said, "Challenge me." He said, "Brad, believe me, trust me." It was hard. I said, "God, he can't get a visa, and he can't come." He says, "Don't believe it. Don't pray." Pray, and I did. I prayed, and I believed God. I said, "God, you told me." You ever say, "God, you told me"? Yep. It's not actually a bad prayer, guys. It's it's really just yesterday, <laughs> man. It's actually not a bad prayer to remind God what he told you. I said, God, you told me to do this. I said, Lord, you can't leave me hanging out here in the wind. You're the one, you're the one that told me to do this. Well, here I am. God, you got to please help me, Lord. I didn't want to accuse God of anything. He's God and I'm Brad. But I'm, God, you told me to do this. It's like in, in the garden. You gave me this woman, Lord. You told me. Well, anyway. I got a, I'm praying. I said, Lord, I'm believing God. I didn't tell anybody the conference was in jeopardy. Everything, everything's good. Everything's great. Conference, yeah, it's next week. Life's good. We're going to go on with the conference. Anything you need prayer? Nope, don't need prayer for anything. Everything's good. Everything's great. I got a call uh, right there, like the five or whatever days, right before the conference, they said that he was able to get into the doctor, and not only that, they were able to reattach his retina, and he was going to come to the conference after all. Praise God. I had a negative. If I'd have responded with a negative, I don't know what would have happened. I'd have probably said, well, okay, don't come, you know, take care of your... I took a negative, and I responded with a positive, and God gave me a miracle. The Bible says, as a Christian trials are going to come into your life. And when you start believing God and trusting God, you will get opposition. Trials come according to the word to make you strong. It says it's like a fire that's purifying you. It's coming into your life to purify you and make you strong. And you can choose to believe God. What I like to do when I get in trial, I like to burrow into God. I like to get in my prayer, and I like to get in the Word. I like to burrow into the Word, and I really listen and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm listening. The battle from the Garden of Eden until today in your life is a battle for your heart. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to wipe your kids out. He wants to take any blessing that God gives you and steal it from you. And the only way he can do that is through deceiving you. You have the authority. 
God's given you the authority. You're able to resist the devil. You don't have to sin. The Bible says sin doesn't have dominion over you. You don't have to be deceived. You don't have to listen to the devil. You don't have to do what he says. You can, the Bible says in many places for you to resist the devil. God would not tell you to resist the devil if, if you couldn't do it. So if the enemy's coming in your life and you know it's him, and it's easy to know if it's him, if he's coming in your life, you have the power to stand up to the devil and say no. The Word of God says don't give any place to the devil. Doesn't it say that? So the issue is always going to be in your heart. Always. That's where the attack's going to be. Satan works through deception, doesn't he? Most marriages that get in problems, the ones I've counseled, and I'm not talking about anybody particular. I've counseled 10 years ago. I counseled marriage people five years ago. Last week, I counsel all the time. I'm not speaking about anybody in particular. Just in general, most marriages get attacked through deception. My husband doesn't love me anymore. God just wants me to be happy. That's a big one. It's deception. Even in the last days, the Bible says that the way Satan is going to rob from the church is to bring deception into the church. What's he trying to deceive? Where is he trying to deceive? Right here, in your heart, to get you off the path. Okay. You can read the part there about your heart there. Uh, flip over to Psalm 78. I want to read this a little bit and show you this, this is not uh, a new problem. You guys with me still? Because I want to go on and talk about authority, and I want to talk about miracles and how to receive from God, but if we're not believing it, it's not going to do us any good. If we're just saying, well, that's just Brad, or that's just, you know, whoever, whatever preacher you're listening to on TV, if we don't understand what salvation is and that God wants us to walk in it, if we have a heart of unbelief, if we don't recognize the difference between the devil and God, you know, Acts 10, 38 said, everywhere Jesus went, he went about doing good. Doesn't it say that? Look it up. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Doesn't say he went about doing bad, harming people. It should be pretty obvious when Satan's trying to wreak havoc in your life. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. And he wants to do good in your life too. Are you guys okay? I'm try I really want to encourage you. I'm not trying to beat you up or anything, I'm trying to encourage you that God is working in your life. He's given you power and authority. If you'll trust Him and learn to get to know Him and rely on Him, He wants to do great things in your life. Every single person in this room, He's speaking to all of us. I was talking to Mike. I asked Michael if I could use him in my message a little bit about, about life. And I remember talking to Mike, and I assumed when I talked to Mike about I, that I knew what Mike wanted, like, what, you know, what do you want in your life, Mike? I figured Mike would say he wanted to walk and get out of that wheelchair. Well, Mike told me what he's believing God for is, can I tell him? It's something completely different. He wanted a significant relationship, and he's lonely. He wants to have a significant relationship in his life. I'm assuming I know what he wants. He wants a significant relationship in his life. Everybody is somewhere with God where they're asking God for something or they're in a battle, and it's always different for each person. Someone say amen. amen. 
God's good. He wants to give you a, a significant relationship. Okay, uh, Psalms chapter 78. We'll start with verse 5. I'll tell you what, I've got to go to verse 9. You can read the rest later. I'll take verse 8. And, <laughs> and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set their what? Heart. They didn't set their heart aright, whose spirit was not faithful, where? To God. They didn't set their heart, and their spirits weren't faithful to God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. You're going to have a battle. You're going to have to decide in life if you're going to fight the battle or you're just going to walk away from it. You're going to have a battle in your life, more than one. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in His law. They forgot His works and His wonders that He had shown them. Marvelous things in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. It goes on to tell His miracles. And down to, down to verse 22, I guess verse 21. Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and his anger came up out of Israel because... They did not believe in God and did not trust in His, what? I've been talking about salvation. They did not trust in God's salvation. God wanted to save them. They took a 40-year journey in the wilderness because they wouldn't trust God's salvation. They refused to believe Him. And where was their error? Where was their mistake? In their hearts. Paul talks about it in Hebrews 3 and 4. It's in their hearts. It's in their hearts. The battle is always in your... They didn't set their hearts steadfast before God. I'm going to flip over to verse 40. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God. Get this. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. They didn't remember his power. They didn't remember that they were redeemed. They didn't remember their salvation. And because of that, and I got a bunch of scriptures I can't go into. I'll probably go into it more next week. Because of that, they limited God in their lives. Now, folks, we are saved by grace through faith. God isn't throwing thunderbolts at you out, out there, but God does not want you to limit what he wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to limit his salvation. He doesn't want you to limit the redemption that he's provided for you in Christ. And everything he's provided for you is right in this book we call the Bible. Amen. We all have access to the same promises. And one of the ways, and I'm preaching about one of the chief ways the Lord will work in your life is when you have trials and obstacles. He wants you to overcome them. God has put an overcoming spirit in all of us, and God wants us to overcome. In order to do that, starting today, I want us to change our perceptions, how we look at our trials. It was the hardest thing for me in the world when I was learning to trust God for finances. I've told this story, but some of you haven't heard it. I was tithing, and nothing was going on in my life financially. Nothing was going on different. 
And every time I would give, it seemed like I'd have another bill come in. Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> step out, and you're, it could, doesn't have to be money, just anything. I'm stepping out and giving, and I get another bill. And Pam had a 10000 We made about $10,000 one year throwing newspapers, and Pam broke her arm on the newspaper route, and I think we owed 14000 So we were $4,000 in the hole from the newspaper route that year, right? And the natural thing to do is, God, well, I'm doing this. Why aren't you doing this? And we start to complain. And I remember when I got my victory is that day the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Brad, don't say that. Stop. That's what you've been saying. Like, why does this always happen to me? Why is this happening to me? Lord, why aren't you doing? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, stop right there. Don't say another word. Change your perspective. And I did. I got quiet. And he says, I want you to say, and trust me, folks, it was so hard. Everything in me wanted to complain. You ever been there? Am I the only one that's been there? Maybe you don't know the Lord, you don't know what I'm talking. When, you, when you're born again, God, you want to believe God. You want to see things different. Everything in me wanted to whine. Anybody ever whine? That puny voice. Oh, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I feel, so, I feel bad. I, I do the same thing we all do. We're all human, right? We're human. We're limited in ourselves. We all do this type of thing. God, I don't understand. You told me if I tithe, you'd bless me. I don't get it. God, I, I got another bill. This just doesn't work. I don't, that preacher lied to me. I don't, I must got, I don't understand. Rather than say that, whoop, I was, I heard the Lord. And then after I got quiet, he said, now I want you to thank me for what my word says. That was even harder. Been tithing and given, believe in God that he's going to, and I said, so I said, a very weak voice, Oh, God, I thank you that you rebuked the devourer in my life. Thank you that my barns are filled with plenty and my presses burst out with new wine, just like you said. Thank you for blessing me like you said in your word. And you know what happened, though? The more I spoke, and folks, it's not just about money. It's included. It can be anything that God's talking to you about. It could be about your kids that are lost. It could be about a relationship. He can talk to you about anything. But the more I started speaking the Word of God, it was like the stronger I got. I started getting stronger. I don't remember exactly how it wound up, but it seems to me before it was all over, I was marching through my room saying, you know, God, you said in your Word, you know, boom, and I got strong. I, out of weakness, I became strong, and I spoke the Word. Pam, was it three? I, that week or within the next couple weeks, during that time, I got three significant financial miracles. Boom, 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 boom. The hospital bill that we owed, they canceled it. They said, now you don't owe it. The insurance company said, you don't owe it. It's gone. Uh, the, the, we had a, a, a tax bill. They were trying to get me from not paying taxes in Virginia when I was in the Air Force. And I, I almost sent the money and paid. I was actually teaching outreach and evangelism, how to witness for Jesus and uh, sharing Christ. And they called me out of that room. And I had a phone call. And it was the tax people wanting money from me. Don't you know I'm telling people about Jesus? And I'm, and I got, and I'm like, you know, I got to go back here and act like I got faith. <laughs> Tell them about how I shared Jesus. And I was like distraught. That got canceled. We had a third bill. Just like boom, 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 boom. And from that day until this day, 
Pam and I have never been in a situation like that since then, a dire situation like that since then. Now, I'm not, you know, Bill Gates or anything. I'm not filthy rich, but God meets all our needs. He's blessed us. He supplies for us. He's done so many. Even coming to this church was a miracle. But I remember in the testing and in the trial, God wanted to give me a miracle. God wanted me to overcome, but unbelief, Satan, you want to call it that, wanted to squash me down and have me fold like a cheap lawn chair. What happened, guys, what's the lesson that Paul tells us? What happened in the wilderness? What was going on in the wilderness for 40 years? What was going on? Let's say we're all saved in this room. Everybody knows Jesus. Everybody was a believer. What happened in the wilderness? I'll, I'll end my message there. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 4 and I'll, I'll end the message here. You can go through... I'll probably maybe pick it up. What happened in the wilderness when the children of Israel, it's what David or the psalmist is talking about in Psalm 78, what happened in the wilderness where they weren't, weren't believing God? What happened? Every one of them, in 40 years' time, every one of them died. They were, they were God's kids. They belonged to God. I don't believe they spent eternity in hell. God knows. I don't believe that. They belonged to God. They were in covenant with God. They had blood sacrifices. But because they didn't believe God, God was not able to work with them. Is that right? What two individuals made it into the promised land? Caleb and Joshua. And why did Caleb and Joshua go into the promised land? They believed God. They trusted God. They came back with a good report. Hey, we can do this. Not by might. Not by power. But by God's Spirit, we can do this. I can do all things through Christ. Christ who's, is that just a word or is it true? They had great opposition. They had giants they were fighting. And they said, we can do it through the power of God. They weren't putting their trust in themselves. They were putting it in God who said, go in and take the promised land. The ones that didn't believe didn't go into the promised land. There are so many promises in your life that God wants to bring into your life. He just wants you to believe. And the best time to believe is when you're in a trial. And for me, it may be easier for you, but for me, when I face trials, that little whiny voice almost always wants to come up. Sandy says the best time to believe is right now. But you're going to get hit with the trial. And when you do, that trial has come to make you more than a conqueror. Without opposition, the seed doesn't grow. You pitch a seed on the ground, if it's not buried and it doesn't get pressure from the earth, it's not going to spring up. It has that pressure of the earth, causes that seed to die and boosh, spring up. Okay, let, let me read this, then, then we'll end our message. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest, the, um, lest any of you should come short of it. For indeed, the good news or the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not what? Someone else say that. Anybody looking at it? The word didn't what? It did not profit, didn't help them. Didn't profit them. Not being mixed with what? Faith. In those that heard it. For we who have believed enter into rest. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. 
You're not saved because you're a good person. God is going to make you a good person. He's going to work in your life, and He's going to bring whole good things into make you a good person. You're not saved by being a good person. You're saved by God's grace through faith. God will make you a good person when you trust Him, when you allow Him to work in your life. Salvation is completely a gift and a grace of God, and it works when you believe in it, and it doesn't work anywhere else. You can't mix your doings in it. It's a gift of God, and you believe Him. Someone say amen. That's just what the Bible says. It's called grace. So if you're in a battle today, I want to encourage you. Don't be like me and so many others. You go through the same. I was talking to Pam about this this morning. You can put your notes up. I'm dumb. Uh, You just go through the same wash cycle over and over again, the same trial, the same problem over and over again, that God God is trying to take you out of that situation trying to get you to believe him in that situation always because you don't mix the situation with faith. Amen? Amen. I want to talk more about what salvation is in the coming weeks. I want to talk more. I got some keys down there to believing how we believe God, how faith comes, how we can learn to trust God. But you're going to have opportunities this week to believe God in your life. What do you want to do, Lord? Father, I thank you for each person here. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, but you want to know the Lord, You've never given your life to Christ, and you want to. God wants.